Let's pray, saints. Father, Abba, we do come to you in the name of Jesus. Jesus, your only Son. Thank you, Lord, for the power of the Holy Spirit that shows us things that we could never know on our own. Who can know the thoughts of God but the Spirit of God? The Spirit who has been given to us that we might freely see and know the things that are freely given to us. As you said, Father, come to me, come to me and drink of the water of life without cost, without cost. Lord, open our eyes to see how free, how free you have given us all things through Christ. Open our eyes more and more, Lord, to see what grace is all about. For the Son of God came and full of grace and truth, full of grace and the reality. No more shadows, the reality. And you have given us grace for more grace, grace for grace. Freely, freely, help us see how, how free your bounty is to us because of Christ. You have opened a door that no man can shut. Help us drink deeply of the water of life without cost, without cost, without cost. Comfort ye, comfort ye, my people. Tell them they have received double for their iniquity. Judgment is over because of Christ. Jesus, behold, the Lamb of God who took away the sin of the world. Fear not. Where sin abounds, grace, grace, grace does much more abound. You have lavished upon us your grace, your loving kindness seems too good to be true. Blue skies, open heaven, torn veil. I call you friend, no longer servant or slave. I call you son, daughter. Behold the goodness of God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Lord, we look to you to hear heavenly things. Thank you for the renewal of the mind. That we might enter your rest. Ceasing from our own works dead works, trying to appease a conscience that we might rest in your work and thereby have the perfect conscience in Christ. Thank you, Lord. 
Thank you, Lord, for the reality. For the reality. Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Freely. Freely. You're so awesome, Lord. so good to us. As you said, Lord, did I not say if you would only believe you would see the glory of God. Amen. You know what the Lord did was so, um, it's so mind-blowing what He did through Jesus, through Christ. So mind-blowing, so different, so different from what the world knew before Christ came. That the Father would say through the prophets, consider not the things of old. Behold, I do a new thing powerful statement from a prophet consider not the things of old behold I do a new thing one of the things that really helped me really understand in my journey of understanding the grace of God and my in my burnout in trying to live the Christian life myself and trying to trying to be uh, on my own um, what God had called me to be one of the things that really helped me understand and see the grace of God is to really receive the truth that what Jesus did is very, very, very different from what we had or they had under the law of Moses. Very, very different. In other words, I used to approach the scriptures as a young believer and I used to try to harmonize the law with what I was learning about Jesus and about grace. I tried to harmonize or try to bring it together and make it work together because, I mean, after all, it's the Bible, it's the scripture, it's the word of God. I've got to somehow make this grace fit with this covenant of law because, I mean, the law is good and it's from God. God spoke it. So, and what never... um, triggered in me um, until the burnout, until spiritual burnout, was that grace is completely different from law. God said this. He said, behold, the days come when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel, not like the covenant I made with them when I brought them out of Egypt. That's God's word in Jeremiah. I will make a new covenant. And this new covenant will not be like the one I gave them on Sinai. It will not be like the one I engraved on stone with my finger. It will not be like that. For in this new covenant, I'll remember 
their sins no more. In this new covenant, I'll be merciful to all their iniquities. Galatians says faith wasn't even revealed until Christ came. That that doesn't mean the concept of faith was not revealed. Because Israel had faith. We see in Romans in uh, Hebrews 11, talking about the people of faith, how God showed Noah moved by faith, Abraham moved by faith. What was, Gal- what was Paul saying in Galatians when he says faith was not revealed until Christ came? What he was saying was that faith for righteousness was not revealed until Jesus came because there was nothing you could believe to make you righteous because the work had not yet been accomplished. You see it? Under the law, righteousness was a function of obedience to commandments. So it was hidden from them. It was hidden in the Scripture. Paul found it by the Spirit. He said, look what what Abraham found. Abraham believed God, and God counted it as righteousness. But it was not for us until the seed should come to whom the promise was made, even Christ, so that when He gave Himself for us, taking upon himself the sin of the world, then we could say, then we could respond in faith and receive a gift for the first time. For the first time. The law is not of faith. If the promises of God were by the law, then grace is not grace, Paul said. So it's a whole new way of thinking. It's a whole new way of seeing things. Um, what really... And really, really opened my eyes as I was learning about the grace of God was the, the Spirit whispered to me in, this, in my burnout the word mystery. Study what the mystery of Christ is. Paul uses that word over and over again in his letters. The mystery of Christ. And the word mystery just means hidden truth. Hidden truth. The hidden truth. And so I would study that. I, I went through commentaries and tried to figure out you know, what that meant. And every time I'd read a commentary, the spirit in me would say, no, that's not it. No, that's not it. No, that's not it. No, that's not it. And what, what the spirit showed me in, a, in just a few words is that the hidden, the hidden truth was that this Christ would literally come into our world And take upon himself the judgment, the judgment, the final judgment of the entire world. I had never heard that preached. Because a lot of times preachers don't want to release people from their sin because they're afraid that if I release them from their sin, they'll sin more. Or if I release them from their sin, I can't control them. And sometimes in, with good intentions. They want to control them to be good people, so they, i got to keep, keep them in their sin. God's wisdom. The cross is the wisdom of God. Why, why? The Scripture says that blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will not take into account. Blessed is the man or woman whose sin the Lord will not take into account. Does God know what He's doing? And yet God says... The secret to life is to release the human race from accountability. 
scares religious people to death. It scares religious people to death because we think that good behavior is related, directly related, to accountability for sin and fear of judgment. Now, what, what, that's the religious mind. That's the natural mind. That's in every religion on this planet. Every religion has that. Sin, accountability, and fear of judgment. So God comes over here and he goes, let's see, I'm going to take away sin. I'm going to take away the accountability for sin because I'm going to, I'm going to be accountable for it on the cross. He became sin for me. And I'm going to take away judgment. That leaves the religious mind just scrambling. It it leaves the religious mind with no foundation. Well, what? Why does it work then? How how does it? How does this work? Because the religious mind has a has a good point. I mean, it, it really has a good point from the fleshly mindset. If you take away accountability for sin and fear of judgment, the flesh. Just from that perspective, the flesh will sin more. It will. Because when Sinai, Sinai, when the law was given on Sinai, God said, I have come down to show you my glory that you might fear and sin not. Fear of judgment is what works in a fallen world. That's why we have judges and lawyers and police. It works to a certain degree according to the level of the conscience in the fallen man, the flesh. Fear of judgment is a good thing for the fallen world. The law is good for the unrighteous, but the law is not for the righteous, Paul said. You see it? So the religious mind has got a point. I mean, they, if, that's, if that's all they see, the flesh, if all they see is religion, then they, they are right to be afraid of the grace of God. But if you get a revelation of the ways of God, which are so different, different from the way under the law, so different, it was a secret, Paul said, hidden in the heart of God. A secret, not revealed to the sons of men until Christ came. If you get a revelation of what the secret is, then you will so throw that law away so fast. As Paul said, I count it all as dumb compared to what I have found. Well, what have you found? How does it work? How does that work? How does it work? To release us from sin, to release us from accountability, to release us from judgment. How in the world is that going to work? We talked the other Sunday about how we should go up to people, you know, the good news, the gospel means good news, good news, and we forget sometimes what the word news means. News is something that has already happened. You know, last night something happened. You read the paper. Did you read the news? Did you read the news? What happened? It's already happened. And the good news, we should go up to unbelievers and say, hey, have you heard the news? Have you heard the good news? I mean, it's good. Something has happened. God has done something. Have you heard the news? So you're not asking them to do something. Not asking them to do something to to get to God. No, 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 no. 
Something's happened. Have you heard? Have you heard the news? And it's good. What? Read it. It's in the paper. Read it. Look. God has stopped counting sin. Isn't that good? No, no way. God has stopped counting sin. A holy God who can't even look on sin has stopped counting sin. For God was in Christ reconciling the whole world unto Himself, not counting their sins against them anymore. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. It's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance, to change their mind and run to Him as opposed to being afraid of Him. The good news, the good news, the good news, the good news, the good news. God has done something. Great is the mystery of your godliness because God, not because me, God was manifested. God was vindicated by resurrection. God was seen by the messengers and the angels. God was proclaimed in the world. This work, this finished work of a judgment for all people, for all time, for all sin. God was received by those who heard and believed. God was taken up into heaven in glory. Great is the mystery of your godliness. It's all in God. And from Him and by Him and through Him. Isn't that awesome? It's good news. But, but, look, but let's get back to this grace thing. How does this grace thing work? How does it work? Okay, God's going to take away sin. He's going to take away accountability. He's going to take away the fear of judgment. That still works in the fleshly world, in the natural world. All that works. Accountability for sin, fear of judgment. It is for a fallen world. The law was given to natural men from Sinai. Natural men beheld with their own earthly eyes the glory of God. And they were afraid. They trembled. Even Moses trembled, the Scripture says. With his own natural eyes, he saw the veil was pulled back and the glorious God who has no beginning and no end, uncreated light, came upon that mountain and began to sparkle and show that even if the animals would touch the base of the mountain, they would die instantly. This was awesome. This was awesome. That's the God that wants you to run to Him and jump on His lap. You see how this is so unbelievable? In the same way, in the same way that under the old covenant of law, God said, I will by no means justify the sinner. I will by no means justify the sinner and I will visit the sins of the people to the children, to the children's children, to the third generation. That's language under law. For none shall be justified by the law. None. That same emphasis That same emphasis where God says, I will by no means justify the ungodly. That same emphasis under a new covenant, not like the covenant I cut with them from Sinai. The same emphasis under the new covenant is this. Come to me and be not afraid, for I will by no means remember your sins anymore. 
And I will be merciful to all your iniquities. And I will never, 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 never leave you nor forsake you. Isn't that awesome? Now we receive this easily. The natural man receives this fear of, whoa. But we are slow to believe all that the prophet spoke, Jesus said. All the prophets spoke. Because the prophets spoke of a holy God and a sinful man and judgment and accountability. But the prophets also spoke of a new thing. Behold, consider not the things of old. Behold, I do a new thing. For the day shall come when you shall call him the Lord, the Lord, the Lord, my righteousness. Slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. See? Peter did the same thing. He saw... Jesus and Moses and Elijah in the mountain. And he tried to harmonize those, those two covenants too, like I did. Well, we can't just throw the law out. We've got to have the law and somehow fit Jesus into this. And so let's build a tabernacle to Moses and to Elijah and to Jesus. And, and the Father came down and Moses and Elijah disappeared. And there was only the Christ. And the Father said, this is my son. Hear him. Hebrews starts like that. For in various times in the past, God spoke to us by prophets in many ways. But in these last days, has spoken to us by his son. Moses represented the law. Elijah, the prophets. He has fulfilled all things. He has fulfilled the law and the prophets. Slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have said. Even Moses said, there's another one coming. There's another one coming. Like that scene in Star Wars, you know, where, where Yoda goes, where Obi-Wan Kenobi says, all hope is lost, you know, if Luke doesn't do this. And Yoda goes, there is another. I like that. There is another. Moses said that. Moses said, there is another. There is another. Coming, like me, Moses said. There's another, like me, coming. One who will inaugurate a new covenant just like God has used me to inaugurate this covenant of law there's another there's another coming that's why they ask Elijah are you that prophet that Moses said would come are you the, are you the other one there's another and Moses said and he who does not listen to that prophet shall be cut off because Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to all who believe So, we still haven't answered the question. How does this grace work? How does it work? This is how it works. Scripture says, those who fear the Lord, the secret of the Lord is revealed to those who fear Him. And the word fear there actually means not to be afraid of God. The phrase fear of the Lord means to esteem His word above all other words words that's the true fear of the Lord which means if you have the true fear of the Lord you're not afraid of the Lord you get that the phrase the fear of the Lord means you esteem his word what he has revealed to me above all other words and what has he said to us he has said to us I will remember I'll keep a record of your sins no more I will be merciful to all your iniquities because of my son. 
because of the Christ. That's the highest word. It is the last word. I love that song by Michael Card that he sang years ago about how God only needed one more word, the last word. His word is Jesus. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. The final word that fulfills all things. So when I receive that word from God, that a lamb sits on the throne, who shall bring any charge to God's elect? For God has justified. So the true fear of the Lord is to not be afraid of the Lord. You see that? To revere His word that you are His child. That He is crazy about you. That he, no, he seeks to nourish you and cherish you as a bridegroom does a bride. To receive that word is to no longer be afraid. And that's the true fear of the Lord. Don't you let a teacher tell you you don't have the fear of the Lord because you're too buddy-buddy with God. Don't you let a preacher tell you you don't have the fear of the Lord because you run into his lap. We come, we come boldly to a throne of grace to find help and mercy in time of need. Because the true fear of the Lord is I have revered and honored His Word above every religious preacher on the planet. Even my own conscience. For the conscience can only respond to what you do. Romans 2 says, either justifying us by our works or condemning us by our works, the conscience only responds to what you do, but the Spirit of God reveals who you are. The Spirit is higher than the conscience. If our conscience condemns us, God is greater than our conscience, for He knows all things. And we are complete in Him. So what... So. We still haven't answered the question. What, how, so how does this grace work? Okay, here it is. Those who fear the Lord are given the secret of the Lord. Those who revere His Word above all else are given the secret of the Lord. Those who don't play religious games, those who don't try to play over here in religious circles and just move from one branch to another branch of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and call themselves believers, and I'm no longer doing that stuff, but now I'm doing this good stuff for God, but they're on the same tree... Those who get real with themselves and say, I can't live this life, I can't do this, are, are shown the tree of life. The secret is this. The same Christ who gave, who gave himself for us that he might take my judgment for all my sin. For all my past, all my present, and all my future, that same Christ not only gave himself for me, but through the gift of the Spirit, the presence, the presence, that same Christ lives through me. And is, and is Christ the minister of sin? 
No. That's how it works. Christ lives in me. I couldn't even be saying these words right now. You sense the Spirit. I sense the Spirit. I'm just a man. Jesus is speaking. This is not me. I mean, it is me, but it's me and him. And it's him and me. Honestly, I was driving here this morning. I did not know what at all I was supposed to say today. Oh, God. Last night I had just a really sweet time just looking at the stars and talking to him. And it was just so sweet. And I was just like, and I'm driving here. I had no idea what I was supposed to say. And then I saw Brad and Russ and Hazel. I'm going, oh, my gosh, this has got to be good. You know, in the flesh and the natural, he goes, you want it to be good for the, you know, people you love and they, you haven't seen them. They've never been here before. I mean, they've been here before, but not in a while, you know, and it's just the flesh. But see, the Lord is so good. He's so good. He lives through me. He lives through you. He lives through you. He who gave himself for us gives himself to us. I was crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Don't go by that too fast. We see that phrase, crucified with Christ, and our minds just go blank because it's just so religious sounding. I died. I died. When he died. I was judged. The wages of sin is death. And I have received full wage for all my sin, for all my life, I die. I die. Do you realize the scripture says in, the, in Isaiah, tell my people that they haven't just received payment for their sin. They've received double payment. I heard Joseph Smith on TV last night or two nights ago. It was so good, Joseph Smith. I mean, Joseph Prince, Sorry. <laughs> Joseph Prince. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I heard Joseph Prince on TV the other night, and it was so good. He said, he said, uh, God, I kept waiting for to quote this verse. I was on like looking at the TV, talking to him. Joseph, quote the verse in Isaiah. No, that you've received double for your sin, but he didn't quote it. That's all right. But he, he said, Joseph said, uh, He said, do you realize God has overpaid for your sin? And he's right on. That's true. And I love his analogy. He says, it's like you owed a, it's like you owed um, a a five, I think he said a hundred thousand, but say, it's like you owed a hundred thousand dollar debt, a hundred thousand dollar debt. And you just couldn't pay it. You just couldn't pay it. You tried your best to figure out how you could possibly pay the hundred thousand dollar debt and you just couldn't pay it. And your billionaire friend comes and just wants to hang out with you and laugh and have fun. And you can't have fun because you owe $100,000 and you got to find that money somehow. And your billion-dollar debt, uh, billion friend says, well, who is this creditor? Who, where is he? Oh, he's downtown. I 
I'm worried sick. And your billion-dollar friend goes to this creditor. And you, don't have, you don't even know he's doing this, your friend doing this. And your friend goes to this creditor. He says, how much does my friend owe? $100,000. And your billion-dollar friend says, would $100 million do it? Would a hundred million do it? A hundred? He said, no, no, I said a hundred thousand. I know. But would a hundred million do it? And the guy's like, well, well yeah, well, of course. He can have my house and everything. That's what God did in Christ. And we're worried about whether we've confessed every single sin. When that's not even the truth that you don't have to, you're not required to know and understand all the sins of the flesh and be able to name them to stay in fellowship with Him. That's not even what 1 John 1 9 means. That's a verse to the unbeliever who says, I don't have any sin, I don't need a Savior. And that's a whole other message, but that's not what that says. That's what God did in Christ, He overpaid for us. When it says God lavished His grace upon us, when God lavishes, God, when God lavishes, when it says according to the glory of His, according to His glory of His grace, according to His glory He has blessed us, according to that standard glory, It's so big what he's done. It's so big. Like Hazel used to say, it's huge. It's huge. I love that. It's huge. There is such a supply. There is such a supply flowing because of the one event of the Christ. God has not forgotten the death of his son The suffering of His Son is like yesterday to Him. A thousand years is like a day to God. He still remembers the agony of the Son saying, Father, Abba, if it be possible, let this cup pass, but not my will. He still remembers the pain of His Son. He did it for us. He did it for us. Believe. Believe on this one. Trust this one. Receive. For he who has received this abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign through his life within. And you shall bear much fruit. Don't be afraid of sin. And and don't be afraid of God's ways. Don't be afraid of a way that says, I'm not counting your sins anymore. Don't be afraid of a way that says, there is no more judgment for you. Because I took it. Jesus himself said, when he went to the cross, he said, now is the judgment of this world. That's the word, the higher word. Now is the judgment of this world.
His ways are as different from our ways as the heavens are above the earth. So different. And what I was doing as a young believer, I was trying to take the way of the law, the nat- of natural men, and join it to the way of grace. And in that mixture was death. For a little leaven leavens a whole lump. What men call balance, law and grace, God calls mixture. What men call balance, you've got to balance law and grace, God calls mixture. The scripture says you are not under law, but under grace. The scripture says, because you're under grace, sin shall not have dominion over you. It's counterintuitive to the natural mind. It's foolishness to the natural mind. That's where we have to trust a wisdom beyond ourselves. Lean not unto your own understanding. There is a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof is death. Who can know the thoughts of God but the Spirit of God? And the Spirit has been given that we might know the things that are freely given to us by Him. It's a revelation. It's a revelation of a God who so loved you, so loved me, so loved us. That same God that came out down on Sinai that was in the natural, so terrifying. Do you realize when Moses walked up to the mountain... Scripture says that at the bottom of the mountain, the Israelis were looking up and they saw Moses go into this fire. The Scripture says that from the bottom of the mountain, the glory of God appeared as a consuming fire at the top of the mountain, consuming itself. And Israel said, oh God, oh Moses, what are you doing? And they saw him walk into the fire. Scripture says Israel at the bottom of the mountain A picture of man after the earth, fleshly eyes, earthly eyes, saw God as a consuming fire, and they saw Moses walk into the fire. The scripture says, to the children of Israel, he appeared as a consuming fire, but to Moses, he was a refreshing mist. Remember that? They were scared to death for Moses as he walked into what they thought was sure death consuming death. Imagine a nuclear explosion. You've seen a nuclear explosion where it's just engulfing itself. That's what they saw. It was fire consuming itself at the top of the mountain. It was like like an ongoing nuclear explosion that was somehow contained right at the top of the mountain. Moses was walking right into it. And Israel said, oh my God, he's dead. But Moses had no idea what they were seeing. Moses was like, wow. It's beautiful, beautiful, a refreshing mist. And to this day, those who do not trust in the wisdom of God, for Christ is the wisdom of God and the power of God, to this day, they sit here and they see him as a consuming fire toward them in fear trying to perform trying to please an angry God and they have not entered his rest 
And they have not ceased from their own works as God did cease from his works. Because they have not believed. For he who believes in this wisdom of the cross, this goodness of God, enter into his rest. And then, oh, then, it begins. It begins. A journey on earth, not just when we die. Not just heaven when we die. A journey. Father and Son on earth. Now it begins. Now I can find my destiny. Now I can be who he made me to be. For we have been created in Christ Jesus unto good works that we might just simply walk in them. Dad. 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 To rest. And you shall bear much fruit. And you shall call upon him in the time of trouble. And he will answer you because he's your dad. And he will deliver you And you will glorify him. He will take your foot from the miry clay. And set your foot upon a rock. Because he is the rock. Greater is he. Who is in us. Than he who is in the world. That's how it works. Because it's simply him continuing to live his own life through us. I was crucified with Christ. I died. I died. Nevertheless, I live. I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in this body, I live by faith in Him who loved me and gave Himself for me. Herein I rest. Here is the joy of God. And all we can do in response to this this new way, this new covenant of grace, all we can do is say thanks. For the grace of God, Corinthians 4.15 says, for the grace of God is spreading to more and more people and it's abounding to the glory of God by the giving of thanks. By those who are seeing by revelation his way. Awesome. No man can put new wine in old wineskins. You must put new wine in new wineskins, Jesus said. No man takes an old shirt with a hole in it. 
and cuts a hole in a new shirt to patch up the old shirt. You cannot, you cannot harmonize law and grace. You cannot have both covenants at the same time. One is death, one is life. You cannot. Jesus said you cannot. But what a man does, he throws away the shirt with the hole in it and he puts on the new shirt. Because if you cut a hole in a new shirt to patch up the old shirt, you, it won't work on the old shirt because the new fabric, Jesus said, will shrink when you wash that old shirt. It'll pull away from, the, from the, the sewing and you've just ruined a brand new shirt. Now it's got a hole in it. Jesus said, throw the old shirt away. It's got a hole in it. It never could make you righteous and never will. It will never cover you and never will. Put on the new shirt. Don't be afraid of his ways. Put the new wine into new wineskins. The wineskin speaks of a new mindset. A whole new way of thinking. A new mindset. Let the, let the life flow through this new mindset of union. Let this life flow through a new mindset of a God who says, I have stopped counting sin. Amen. Have you heard the news? Amen. Lord, thank you so much. Thank you so much for helping us see heavenly things. Heavenly things. Oh, God, there is such a supply. There is such a mighty river. He who believes on me, out of his innermost being, shall flow rivers of living water. Believe only. Believe only. Believe only, fear not, for it is finished. Lord, I pray that you would help us see more and more of your love, your great love for us. For this is what transcends this realm. It's the awareness of the great love of God. For when we see the height and the wits, and the width and the breadth and the depth of the love of God, we shall be filled with the fullness of God, transcending this realm, transcending this flesh, transcending this world, transcending our troubles, transcending all things. For in the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome this world come unto me run with me run with me let us laugh together let us run together don't be afraid in Jesus name in Jesus name Amen